And we have liftoff. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Thursday edition. It is a great day for talk radio. Look at this. Weather-wise, 27 blue skies. All systems go right on through to 7 o'clock. Got a whole lot to discuss and to talk about. I mean, there are some things that just uh, continue to fester. The sex ed curriculum thing, of course, uh, it was brought up again at Queen's Park earlier today. Outside, actually, the legislature, there was a, a protest of sorts, a peaceful one. And uh, at 10 o'clock this morning, had to do with a diverse group of speakers who held this protest, including uh, some comedians and uh, some Sean Cullen, very brilliant guy. Always loved Sean Cullen. Uh, Colin Mockery and his wife, Deb McGrath, uh, Dr. Sherry DeNovo, who's a panelist here on Fridays on The Oakley Show, all suggesting that, you know, this was a, a case of maybe uh, overreaction on the part of the conservatives, for which they're, uh, I guess, dismayed. Uh, voicing their displeasure. Actually, one of the speakers at the protest laments the absence of the newer curriculum when he was growing up. The 2015 health and physical education curriculum is full of thoughts and words I believe in. Words like inclusion, respect, understanding, consent, LGBTQ, one welcome, comfortable, safe, pleasure, accepted, empowered, fairness, diversity, anti-discrimination, and on and on. It is a document for today. I wish I had been taught it. I was teachable. All right. Well, that's car. Look, this isn't going away anytime soon, and this might just enter the uh, or be tabled as a consideration with the further consultation in all 124 writings as they drill down on that. The accusation being made by uh, many people who were disappointed with the liberals' rollout of this program, that there wasn't broader consultation. Now, they would dispute that, but look, uh, then we get a do-over, we hit the reset button. <laughs> it's like Hillary Clinton with Medved of that time. Let's hit the reset button, you know, cozying up to the dude, uh, and Trump's the lightning rod. But anyway, this is where it gets to be interesting, because uh, going forward, I believe this will all be drawn into uh, consideration. There are certain themes that won't go away. I mean, consent is a big one, right? Who would deny that that needs to be taught? At some point, I would think that parents would teach you as much as anyone would. But if the educators have to kind of overlap on that particular element of things, uh, so much the better. But one speaker's message to parents who stand opposed to the curriculum was this. To those parents who disagree with the 2015 curriculum, I want to say that I know that change is hard. I know that change is scary. I also believe in my heart that this curriculum will save children's lives. Our children's lives, your children's lives. I honestly believe that in my heart and so I plead with you to read the curriculum and then have an opinion all right so there you have it uh, very passionate i guess all sides of this particular controversial issue or debate if you will it will save lives now that's an interesting one and i'll pick it up with our panel in just over an hour because it's an ongoing question whether or not lives will be put at risk does scrapping the sex ed curriculum put students at risk hey by the way did scrapping the school resource officer put students at risk anybody Bueller? <laughs> so, or how about legalizing pot? Well, that puts students at risk. Uh, there is a notion that, of course, the legal pot regimen, uh, which I guess there's still, the rollout is October 17th, and uh, the authorities are working furiously to try to figure out how they're going to actually enforce this in a credible way that won't uh, 
that will, let's say, pass constitutional muster, and uh, we'll have to wait for that decision to come down. We've got our legal expert coming up at the bottom of the hour, Joe Newberger, on a couple of other things, including accusations of a hate crime in London in a grocery store where uh, an individual who was obviously from a visible minority was being stopped. And uh, the person apprehending him, I guess, was trying to, to make a citizen's arrest. And so uh, the long and the short of it is that they're investigating now whether this was a hate crime. Meanwhile, up in Brampton, some 21-year-old uh, decided to crawl through the window of a Tim Hortons drive through and accost one of the help, actually two of the help, and uh, laid a beating on her. <laughs> and I don't know. Is that a hate crime? <laughs> you know, does it depend whose ox is being gored or which side uh, is being victimized, let us say? I'm not even sure what constitutes a citizen's arrest or by what criteria you could enact one, but we'll ask. And Julian Fantino, who's our crime expert here at Global News Radio, is going to weigh in after 5 o'clock. There's a lot to discuss. The new appointment of Bill Blair on, well, this is absorbing community safety. It's actually border security and uh, organized crime. That's his beat, amongst other things that we'll talk about. But, you know, I see where the organized crime uh, issue has played large here in the city of Toronto, justifiably and understandably so, where the mayor actually implored the board uh, today, this is the Toronto Police Services Board, uh, to get on side with a request for more resources for the police. He wants to expand the number of public safety uh, closed-circuit cameras from 34 to 74 and also install something called the Shot Spotter. Technology in areas where it'll help detect gunshots. I thought this was something they used a graphic in the NBA and uh, from Three Pointville, which is why Kawhi Leonard is such a, a treasure to bring into Toronto. But the Shot Spotter is uh, some technology that tells you where the bullets went off for the fire. I guess it's you put the technology in certain strategic locations, just as you do with the CCTV cameras. Now, this is where it gets interesting because which neighborhoods do you choose? Isn't that a form of profiling in and of itself? It's neighborhoodism, isn't it? I mean, I know you may scoff at the whole notion, but there are some on the left who believe that neighbors or neighborhoods and communities are stigmatized by where they live. One such would be Jane Finch. And then we've got this, uh, <laughs> he's a newly minted member, an MPP for the Conservatives, Michael, Michael Tobolo. Uh, he's from Vaughan, and he went on a ride along with the police. And uh, he was wearing a bulletproof, bulletproof vest. And apparently that's caused a real ruckus in the legislature. Andrea Horvath says that Tobolo's behavior, wearing a bulletproof vest at Jane and Finch in a police ride along, is racist and unacceptable. I think it's ridiculous. Look, when I see racism, I'm going to call it out because we're not going to get rid of racism if we continue to accept uh, these kinds of attitudes and this kind of behavior. And so I am uh, proudly going to stand by the Jane Finch neighborhood and all those people who have been besmirched by this minister. Besmirched by this minister. Do you believe that to be the case? I mean, besmirched by this minister? Again, uh, Andrea's got to be careful because we're like just two weeks into the mandate of Doug Ford and you got to leave yourself some headroom for credible criticisms down the road. It's like the boy who cried wolf. I mean, you're just so exuberant and uh, over the top with your critique. After a while, people going to just tune you out and say, uh, look, I don't believe anything you're saying anymore by way of a critique is legitimate. 
I don't believe this is. As a matter of course, I mean, racist. He went on a police ride along. By the way, let's just play it one more time. This is Andrea Horvath. She says that Tobolo has done a great disservice to this particular community. All week, this minister has demonstrated an appalling lack of knowledge on the most pressing issues in his portfolio and a lack of respect for the people that he serves. He has failed to answer simple questions about his own decisions. He has offended the people that he works for, the people of Ontario, with racist remarks. And he actually has the ridiculous idea that parting works. All right, and so the issue came up where he talked about it, the minister did, of uh, taking this ride along to see for himself. And he went there at nighttime, after dark you know, on one of these night shifts where the police have actually bolstered their numbers. It's called uh, involuntary overtime, by the way, and the head of the association's not too happy about it. He's going to grieve it. But we'll ask Fantino as well if this is something that, you know, is kosher to do, where the chief just wants to buttress the numbers because we've got this issue. Of course, the crime uh, very much uh, is going beyond normal levels, and so this is where a more more of a police presence in certain neighborhoods might make a difference. But this is the minister himself, Minister Tobolo, explaining why he wore the body armor. The uh, purpose of my visit to that particular area was because of concerns in the area. I'm very well aware of the area and the multicultural nature of that particular community. But let me be clear about something. The reason I wore a bulletproof vest was because the police of 31 Division advised me to wear it. The Toronto Police commented yesterday that a vest is standard procedure on any ride-alongs. The real insult, the real insult here is not that I wore the vest. It's the vest, it's the fact that I needed a vest in the first place. And you know, it was that little eight-year-old girl that I was concerned about wondering how she could have a safe community is it's not something that at eight years old anyone should be worried about the the status quo is falling apart and i think we all know that there you go that's the minister in his own defense but uh, i guess to the point when he said that this is standard police issue isn't that the end of it case closed if that's what the cops are suggesting as a protocol by way of uh, maybe being safeguarded against uh, claims that uh, should shrapnel hit you you know in a flying barrage of hot lead now maybe that's the problem that andrea horvath and others have that uh, there's something about making that inference that you could potentially even if it's you know infinitesimal the chances of you're getting you're wearing standard issue that this stigmatizes that particular neighborhood i think they'd ask you to do that for the most part no matter where you go it's just like when you're embedded with the military troops. Sometimes you see these people right, from from the media. It looks like, uh, remember Dukakis when he put that helmet on and he went for a ride in a tank and that scotched his 1988 presidential aspirations? Just that one picture. But this is what happens. You've got to get this stuff. Uh, you know, they hand it out to you. You wear it. You go into a plant. They give you a hard hat or steel-toed boots. Yeah, and you may just be uh, as far away from any kind of blasting or uh, heavy equipment being operated, but, but this is standard issue. So why quibble about that? Or do you think it reflects negatively on the community? This is the inference drawn by Andrea Horvath and other such that it's racist in its overtone. Please stand back from that and just 
Don't get caught up in your own windy rhetoric because you want to score political points or you think you're protecting something that doesn't need defending. There's nothing racist about this. Am I wrong or do you believe there is such a thing? I mean, look, neighborhoodism has reared its head. I heard that term several years back and I thought somebody was clowning with me. But it, look, on the left, they're very earnest and sometimes, you know, the, the pearl clutching can get uh, insufferable. But if you believe there are things that stigmatize certain neighborhoods or communities, and therefore you should not be caught wearing a police issue vest if you're doing a ride-along, hell, what are you doing a ride-along with the police for anyway? There's nothing to see here. Uh, you should not be investigating. Well, wait a minute. Isn't that what his job as a minister is to do? Go and see firsthand for himself? Or is it just by even wanting to investigate? You've somehow implied that this is a dangerous, at-risk neighborhood. I mean, how do you win that argument? So here we go. Let's open the lines. I'm curious to find out from you. Before we get on to uh, Joe Newberger on a couple of legal matters dealing with the police and whether or not somebody should be charged with a hate crime, this is considered to be uh, somewhat, well, thinly veiled hate or racism that a guy wore a vest in a troubled neighborhood. There's no disputing the fact that that neighborhood is an at-risk community. That's already been ascertained. And as I dial it back to where the police are looking for more resources and the mayor is actually uh, petitioning the police services board, they want to put up closed circuit cameras. Uh, they, they want to expand the number of surveillance cameras by 40. And then beyond that, they want to get the shot spotter, the shot spot. Where are they going to put the shot spotters? Where do you think they're going to put them? Rosedale? Uh-uh. So there you, but by way of uh, <laughs> the evidence, there are certain places that the police have determined to be at risk. And so when Buddy's going for a ride along, he's wearing a vest, which he'd do anyway, but in that neighborhood. Do you see that as somehow symbolic? Is it uh, a code, a dog whistle of sorts? Or is it just prudent? And Andrea and uh, others who claim that this is racist in its overtone need to rethink the logic behind all this.